phone i was hoping to do the laptop um no this is now returns this is all you man <laughs> oh i get to call the shots <laughs> um i was thinking about doing something a little bit different this time and i'll play some brazilian music and you get to guess what band it is <laughs> I'll, I, okay i'm <laughs> I'm not like as big a music connoisseur as you. Hi, Rachel. Uh-oh. Oh, she just came and got the Haiti. Oh. <laughs> oh, we don't have to do it now. But I just, it would be, we could listen to music together as all. Well. <laughs> it sounds magical. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so it has been over five years since your episode right yeah and uh do you know how many we've done i didn't look up the stats 10 i you know i didn't either i i think probably probably about there i scrolled through and i listened to a couple of them the last week or two just to re-familiarize myself with the podcast and the format so. yeah i didn't so it's your it's your show, man. 
<laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> anything, uh, any any specific, any uh, questions or format you wanted to follow, or well, just know what's going on in the last thoughts. five years? Which ones did you listen to first? Just your thoughts on the podcast in general, since you're like the first returning, like interviewee. Like, uh, I, highlights. Well, I love it. I love what it's turned into. Um, people might not know this, but on the, the first one, you and I um, communicated quite a bit, and you sort of gave me a set of rules. And Maybe it's just because you know me um, really well, but told me no making fun of people. And so um, in that first one, I kept it very high level. I think I, I, I probably could have told more stories, more funny stuff, even still without divulging names and stuff. But what I liked is, is it's gone on. People, people have been real and um, authentic. We've heard some funny stuff. Um, I really enjoyed um, West, uh, Crowshaw, Pickett. Um, of course, Watts. He's the one that I told you to go get on on that podcast. Um, Birch is the most recent. Um, I'm obviously close to Birch, and he's a good friend of mine, so that one was good. I liked that you had the sisters on. Um, that was really fun to hear from Sister Roberry and Sister Nauman. Um, that was uh, that was that was really cool that we got to get their perspective and um, kind of see how they thought of us immature missionaries that were all two years younger than them. Yep. Um, but I think mean, I think it's been I think it's been awesome. It's been great to help me remember the mission and um, bring back some really fun memories and, and see what everybody's up to. So my review is five stars. Who are we missing? You got like a top five? Get on there. Um. Oh, you mean people that we still should interview? Yep. Oh. Now you're putting me on the spot, and if I don't name someone, then they'll That's right. feel bad. Uh, I think go talk to talk to um, the sisters. Get a couple more of them, mm-hmm. um, I, especially for you and me, where we served a lot of time in Kaiko out in that zone. The sisters were a big part of our mission. Um, they were they were big time baptizers, and um, actually got to be good friends with with them there. And, You're supposed to play. Um, so we got, yeah, there's more sisters. There's tons of sisters. That would be fun. Yeah. And, and if we can't remember the sisters, just ask the one you already interviewed. They'd give you some some ideas. Or if I'm not Facebook friends with them. Yes. I think that's how most of us stay connected and stuff. I don't know, and I, I know you were you were friends with some of the missionaries that were a little younger than us that maybe I didn't get to know. Um, I, I'd be interested to hear from like Elder Sorensen. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of who else would kind of be on that younger end. Um, Elder Hadfield, he was in the same group as Elder Croshaw, I believe. Um, Elder Dane, he was my novino. I think he's kicking around the Ogden. Weber area now. He might have even moved further south. He might even be in Utah County now. Um, so there's, there's, there's still some options. 
<laughs> well, Dylan wants on. That'd be fun. Yeah, get Dylan on. I mean, a lot of the younger people probably wouldn't know him. He went home pretty early in our mission. Man, he's like foundation of what we had to build on as missionaries, right? He was one of those last great Marchines type APs and um, I mean, he, he trained you and impacted a lot of people. And, and I like I like following Dylan on on Facebook. He posts some cool like drone videos and stuff too. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, he'd be a great one to have on. Why are you making your kids scream? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> since last we spoke, what have you been up to? So last we spoke, it was like 2014, right? Fall 2014. So we've had one more baby, okay. a girl. She was born in 2016 in the summer. Her name's Isabel. She's a sunbeam now. Um, well, that's the spoke. My, you were like traveling, you were, live, you were in Boise still, right, in 2014? Yeah. And you were like, sometimes travel to like England or Brazil? I don't know what you were traveling for. <laughs> yeah, so, that yeah, that's a good way to, to kind of tackle it. So yeah, I was working for a veterinary um, distributor, yep. animal health distributor. So we had warehouses all over the U.S., and we had a subsidiary in the U.K., and I got to go to Amsterdam, um, and so I was traveling all over the U.S. to our warehouses as an auditor. And then we made a run in 2017 at making an acquisition in Brazil, and so I went to Brazil for like three weeks. And then eventually that company was bought out. We didn't close the deal in Brazil. The company was bought out, and a lot of our roles were consolidated into the, the parent company there in Philadelphia. So I no longer work there. I decided to move on. I'm I'm an auditor still, but I work for hospital system here in Boise. Still live in Idaho. Okay. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. Um, but yes, along the way, um, had a baby in 2016, and my wife is due basically any day, probably this week sometime, we're having child number five. What? Girl number four. So we've got we've got one boy. He's right in the middle, but we're having another girl. How did? Have you not posted anything on Facebook for like nine months? I don't. I don't usually post on Facebook anymore. We we do like Instagram chat books type thing, but uh -huh. um, I'm I'm more one of those creepers that scrolls through Facebook. I'm a taker. I see what everybody's up to, but I don't contribute. Yeah, so, I'm I sorry. Have no idea you like having another baby. Yeah, I didn't want to. My wife did want to. I lost out. Maybe that's why I haven't posted about it, but I'm coming around. At least I better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, five's easy. I've got five boys. Well, um, we might have to arrange some marriages because uh, we've got some girls. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. So tell me about... Your trips or three weeks in Brazil. So, yes, it was it was fun. There's a, um, a company down there. Now I know everybody who listens to this podcast lives kind of in different parts of 
the states, but have you ever heard of like a chain of stores called Tractor Supply or Cal Ranch? Mm -hmm. Like a Western like farm store. Like you yeah. go there for all your supplies. Right. You know, shovels, heavy duty clothing, this that. Well, there's this store or this chain of stores in Brazil. They're based in um, uh, Campo Grande, Mato Grosso do Sul. So the capital of Mato Grosso do Sul. Um, and they have stores all over like that western, midwestern, northern part of Brazil, the cattle country. They don't get down into the south, but they're that, um, that western half where there's a lot of cattle. Uh, the name of it was Alvarada. And so they had like 20 stores and they sold seed and fertilizer and all this stuff. And we also sold a lot of feed for cattle, like specialized feed supplements and things. And so we were trying to launch a joint venture with them. We were basically just going to give them a ton of money so they could buy another 20 stores, open another 20 stores. Okay. And we were going to plug our, our products into this. And like I said, we, we made a serious run at it to the point that um, I was going to move there for two years. Um, and my wife was on board. I was going <laughs> to move to Campo Grande. That's awesome. It, it was like a dream that then was ripped out from under me. It hurt, but... <laughs> um, I don't know if many listeners know where Campo Grande is or anything about it, but it is where Elder Peterson was from. Do you remember Elder Peterson? Yeah. Skinny, kind of lighter-skinned Brazilian guy. He liked to skateboard. Really cool, laid-back guy. Yeah. That's all I knew about Campo Grande before I went there. It's a city of about a million people. It's really well laid out. It's one of those cities down in Brazil that was more planned out. Uh -huh. And so... I'd, I'd gone so far as to meet with our global mobility team in, in HR to set up um, housing allowances, find a school for my kids, all of that. When I was there, I, I went and found a house yeah. that we were going to try to rent. And, um, and and I don't know if you know much about patriot deals in business, but they take care of you pretty good as a general rule. So it was going to be pretty sweet. We were going to have our, our servants and uh, live live large down there for two years. Yeah. The house was sweet. <laughs> I, I even had found the school that my kids would go to. I'd toured it. Uh -huh. um, and I even knew where we were going to go to church. And it just happened to be the same ward that Elder Pedersen is in. He's in the bishopric there. But I wasn't allowed to talk to him because our deal was super secretive. We'd signed a non-disclosure agreement. Okay. So I went there, checked it out. I, I snooped him on Facebook. I knew which ward he was in. I knew where my house was. I looked up where it was. <laughs> which And it was it was his ward. We would have totally been in his ward. But I couldn't, like, go see him or anything. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we, we went down there, and um, me and a team, we went and toured a whole bunch of the stores all over Brazil, which was just just fun because I think I hit six or seven new states while I was there during those three weeks. I took uh, 10 or 11 domestic flights oh, wow. inside of Brazil. Yeah. I, was, I spent days in a van driving from city to city. 
Um, it, was, it was really, really you fun. And a couple and other guys. The best part is it was all on the company dime. So every lunch was Shuhasko. Yeah. <laughs> and so was every dinner. And we were, like, staying in the nicest hotels, and I was getting to speak Portuguese. It was great. Mm-hmm. There was there was one point near the end of my trip, the guys that were with me from our side, they, they had to go home. And so I um, was there for a week and didn't speak any English. <laughs> so that was really cool. Yeah. But I feel like... I feel like I'm talking a lot. Do you have any questions so far? Or? I mean, that sounds so scary. Like, just being in Brazil. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think about the areas that I was in. And if I went back as a non-missionary, how terrified I would be of being a target. Yeah. You know, I was a little scared of that, but this part that we were in. Sorry, I'm taking my jacket off so the camera's moving around. (laughs) This part that we were in was like, um, not like your Sao Paulo or big city stuff. It was, um, we were out in the good old west. It was like coming to the States and driving around Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. talking to a bunch of cattle ranchers. That's really what it was like. So I never... I never had any times where I felt scared. Hold on, my daughter's coming. Hey, what do you need? Yeah. She just wants to get in the closet in this room and look at some fabric. So I I like to sew. Just kidding. <laughs> um, kids are very crafty. I don't know, man. So, you got a sweet beard going on. Thank you. Thank you. This is the first time I've grown one. Yeah? Um, well, the first time I'd let it go more than a month. Sure. But this is uh, going on four, four months now. So, yeah, it's a good time. It's, I'm one of those trendy guys with a hipster beard now. Yep. But, um, no, so we, so we flew to Brazil, and we were in Campo Grande for a couple of days, in a really nice hotel in these conference rooms meeting with the people from the other side of the business. And then they were like, okay, um, time to start your tour. So we took a red eye and, and I'd, I'd encourage people to like, if they really care, um, look at a map and see all the places we hopped around. We flew from Campo Grande up to um, Porto Velho, Hondonia. Do you remember where Hondonia is? It's like that northwest corner of Brazil, right up by the Amazon. Yep. And it happens to be where Elder Tavares lives. Okay. But, so for that one, I flew in at 3 in the morning there, and the next day we were hitting the road by 8. And so I, I communicated with Tavares, and I said, hey, uh, do you want to at least have breakfast? So he came down to my hotel at like 6 a.m. I, I barely slept. We we spent a couple hours together just catching up and yeah. eating breakfast and stuff. And and that was really fun. And Elder Tavares serves as a bishop now yeah. there in uh, in Hondonia, in Porto Velho. Um, so then we get in this van and we start driving down through Hondonia and down into Mato Grosso for the next few days. 
and it seemed like we'd we'd go to a store, tour that store, ask all our questions, do our research, get in the van, go somewhere, get in a hotel. It was like every day another store. Yeah. And um, this is I, I didn't know that this was cattle country up in Hondonia. I always thought it was all down south, but the food was so good. <laughs> like everywhere we went, it was like it was like they literally just killed the cow and fed it to us. It was so good and fresh. And the fruit, and I, I was eating so much, and I actually lost weight on a trip. And I wasn't crapping my pants either, like, on our mission. So, so I think it was just, I think it was just healthy food, but it was like, I mean, it, it was like, oh, this I forgot how good rice and beans is every day, and then, Instead of having some chicken, it was like big slabs of beef. So it was really, really fun. But we saw, like, as we drove out of Porto Velho, this motorcycle guy, like, cuts us off on the highway going really fast. And the driver of our van is like, somebody wants to die today. And, like, two hours down the road, he's laying on the side of the road dead. He crashed his motorcycle. We caught up to him. And then, like, an hour later, we pass another wreck where this car is, like, flipped over upside down in a river. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to be spending four days in this van. And I've seen two accidents, like, two, three hours into this trip. So that was kind of freaky. But obviously I survived. I'm here today. So. Oh, but man. um, we awesome. drove then from. Can Two you hear me? Years? That's so long. Oh man! Sorry, you didn't move there, man. Yeah, it would have been awesome. But we we drove all the way from Porto Velho down to Cuiabá, which is in Mato Grosso, and that's where Elder Giovanni lives. Okay. Do you remember him? Yeah. I'm not I'm not hearing you, Chad. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, I can hear you. You can't hear me? Okay. Uh, a couple times you talked and it's cut out, so just gotta oh. make sure you're you're good. Yeah. All you're coming through loud okay. and clear. You're good. You paused. Your screen's frozen. Oh, I'm having trouble getting up. So anyway, I was driving into Cuiabá, Mato Grosso, and that's a, another big city. It's actually so big. You there? Yeah. No, okay. you're good. So I, I got a hold of, I think I think there's a delay, because like every time I ask if you're here, and then I start talking again, then I hear your answer. Oh, shoot. So sorry about that. We, we don't get the Wi-Fi up here in Idaho. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so I call Giovanni. I'm like, I'm coming to Cuiabá. Let's meet up. He's like, yeah, for sure. Let's meet up. So the day I get in there, I call and I call and he doesn't answer. And I'm like, what? What's going on? This dude's going to stand me up. And finally he calls me back and he says, I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, it's state conference and I was in a Saturday leadership meeting. He'd been serving as a bishop. 
and I said, well, do you want to get dinner tonight? He said, yeah, um, do you want to come to our um, evening session of general con- or of state conference, and then we can go out to dinner? I said, sure. So he came and picked me up. Um, we went and picked up his wife, and uh, we went to state conference, and I didn't have a tie or anything. I was wearing a white shirt and jeans, so I looked like an investigator. It was awesome. And um, they had Elder Costa from the 70s. Elder Claudio Costa was presiding at the meeting. And he was talking about getting a new stake president the next day. And I looked over at Giovanni and I was like, are you the new stake president? He's like, no, dude, it's not me. I was like, you sure? Because you've been a bishop for a few years now. He's like, no, dude, it's, it's not me. I'm like, okay. So the meeting gets over, and it was an awesome meeting. It was so cool to be in a church meeting and have it be in Portuguese but not have to worry about investigators. I was just sitting there enjoying the meeting and stuff. And we go to leave, and we get in his car and drive away from the church. He goes, now that we're no, we are where nobody can hear us, yes, I'm the new state president. <laughs> and when you were calling me earlier, I was in an interview with Elder Costa having the call extended to me, and then I was in a room praying to decide who my counselor should be. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> so this was three years three years ago. So I, what, how old? He was like 32, 33, mm-hmm. and he's like just getting done with his three, four-year tour as a bishop, and now he's a state president. And his wife, she got a little emotional in the car, and she was like, he's been freaking out. It's a tender mercy that you're here today that, just to be with him. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, he's going to be great. We used to baptize all the time on our mission. That was going to be a great state president. <laughs> yep. So it was it was really fun. We, we went to dinner, and uh, he took me to where, where would you guess? Hodizio G Pizza. Very Brazilian thing, and um, it was just really fun to like get to meet his wife and and him and exchange stories because uh, and I were really really close on the mission. He was like my first Brazilian companion, and I learned a lot from him. We we continue to be really good friends even today. So yeah, it was it was so neat to see Cavadis and then Giovanni and do that. Um, just a, a really really neat experience, and again, all for work. I was just there along for the ride, happened to have a free evening where I could go and and do that. Um, and and I, w- I wasn't scared, like, cruising around, driving around. Cuiabas kind of an ugly city, like, kind of chaotic, rough place, but but it was cool. Um, it's a bigger one. Um, it's actually one where they built one of those new soccer stadiums for the World Cup, and okay. I drove right by that. It was huge. Really cool, really cool soccer stadium. But yeah, so from there, um, I got to fly over to Goiania. Do you remember hearing about Goiania? Yep. Another, another enormous city, not too far from Brasilia. Uh, same thing, kind of crowded, dirty, um, not nice like Campo Grande, or you know, it was just just kind of chaotic. Um, and then um, from there we we actually took a flight and we went up north into Tokenchins, the yeah. state of Tokenchins, to a city called, uh, gosh, what's the name of that one? 
Hold on, I have my map up here. Ataguaina. Ataguaina. And that was a really, really just kind of a frontier. Um, and then we got in a different van and we drove over into the state of Pará. Pará is a state that Belaine's in. Remember, we used to hear about the the city of Belaine up north, yep. Belaine and uh, Manaus for the two missions we were glad we never had to go to. Yep. <laughs> and um, that highway was just a pothole riddled quasi dirt road. It was wow. such a mess. Like you're just driving along, like hitting giant potholes. Um, dodging them, almost hitting other cars head on because you're in the left lane to dodge a giant like rut in the road. It was nuts. But uh, that part of the trip, the guys who I was with said, um, you can't go out at night. You're not, you can't go off on your own. This is, this is Pada. This place is crazy. They're like, you sure as hell can't take a moto taxi anywhere. <laughs> I was like, okay. So um, that was that was really kind of cool, but um, so I, I got to see all these places that we'd heard of, all these like backwater places, and I would dare say that this part of Brazil that I saw was probably worse than the surf town of Paraíba, wow. where you and I were serving in like Patos, Caicó, so the those areas, uh-huh. probably less developed. Um, but but everywhere we went, people were really really nice to us. That was like the common thing. Like everybody was just really really cool, really good to us. Um, the measure of a good hotel was whether or not I had mosquitoes in my room in some of these towns, mm-hmm. or um, if I could get enough Wi-Fi to watch Netflix. But then, even then, even then, my Netflix was limited because I guess when you're in another country, you don't get certain content. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think I could fall asleep watching The Office, which is what I like to do at home. But anyway, that was that was kind of that part. But um, yeah, it was from there. And it, you stop me anytime and ask a question. I feel like I'm just giving a travelogue. And, I'm loving it. This is um, it. Actually, I'm going to send you some pictures. I I already. <laughs> I already made a folder of some of my favorite pictures from the trip that I'll send to you, and you can maybe post them on Facebook when you uh, posted this uh, podcast is coming out. But okay, and I got a, a good picture of a Kahoji Yep. Um, some weird food that I ate. Um, oh, another thing that I saw a lot of along these highways. Did you ever hear of the same Taha people? So, without Earth, Saint Terra, or without land, these—it's a big deal all over in Brazil in the rural areas. You get people that go and they'll build a shack on a farmer's field and they'll squat and they'll just live off the land. Sometimes they're actually stealing crops from the farmer. Sometimes they're growing their own, but they're just like, "You guys are rich. You're a big farm. I'm poor, so." screw you, this is my land now. And the only way that they can evict them is if, like, the policia militar comes through and, like, forces them off with, like, guns or tractors or whatever. Uh-huh. So I saw that all over on this trip. And um, one time we were driving later on in the trip between two cities, 
uh, we actually had two uh, Land Rovers that belonged to the business owner, and we were driving these, and one of them broke down. And one of the guys was like, oh, I'll just stay with this car and wait for, like, a tow truck. You guys go on. And the other guys are like, you're crazy, man. There's there's these same Taha people out here everywhere. We're not just going to leave you on the highway alone. They'll rob you, kill you, take the car. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was a weird thing to see so much of that. Yeah. But I do, I do remember one time on the mission when I served in Sosa, I was with Elder Hafer, and we were taking a taxi from Sosa all the way to Campina Grande for zone conference, one of those multi-zone conferences. Mm -hmm. And we came across a group of these Sankeha who had barricaded the highway, and they were burning tires and, like, brush and stuff in the middle of the highway. They blocked off the main highway right through Paraiba. And um, the taxi driver, like, went off-road, and he took, like, just some side road to get us out of there <laughs> around the, the blockade. But So anyway, I got to see a lot of that on this trip, which was kind of weird, kind of scary. But um, I guess that's what that's what you do in Brazil. If you don't have any land, you go and just steal someone else's and live in a shack. But, so did you know. get to see, like, so from, from, oh, hold on, how much delay is there? There's a lot of delay. Uh, probably a, right now about a second. Okay. Is there a lot? It seems like it. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so question. Okay, go ahead. A ask your question. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till it comes through. Yeah, yeah. So the question is, like, did you see how much prices have increased since the mission time? Were, like, um, like Koshinia's street food, were they still, like, one payout or... Did you see how much like bus fares are, or how much taxis are now? Like, just price increases in general. That's my question. No, I didn't get. Um, yeah, everything was just kind of taken care of. These guys were our hosts. They take us to restaurants to eat. I never like even got an opportunity to stop for street food. I think one night, actually. There was a big wreck on the highway, and we were stopped for eight hours on a highway in um, in Hondonia. Two semis hit head-on because one was trying to pass on this two-lane highway, and they wow. spilled their soybeans all over the road. We had to sit there for eight hours. Um, so we didn't have a chance to eat. So when we got into our hotel, I went over to a little gas station and bought like some, some biscoitos, some bolachas, and... Uh, they seem to be about the same prices that I remember from the mission, like a hay all or two, right. you know, for, for a thing of cookies. Yeah, nothing crazy, at least that I could see. Um, so anyway, we bounced around up in this uh, northern part of the state of Tocantins, southern part of the state of Pada for a few days, and then I took a flight to um, Brasilia, and I was going to try to see Elder Cesar when I was there, but it was too short of a layover for me to even walk out of the airport, say hello to him, and walk back in. Yeah. So we talked on the phone, and just a shout out, if anybody in this group uses WhatsApp, it's the best way to talk to all these um, 
Brazilians if you're still friends with them. Um, I use it to make phone calls. I can, as long as you've got an internet connection, it doesn't cost anything. I can call any of these guys anytime and just chat if I want to, um, or we just exchange messages, share pictures. So anyway, I, I, I went to Brasilia, had a short layover, and I flew back over to um, Cuiabá because at this point I hadn't uh, actually toured the store there. When I went through before and saw Giovanni, it was just like a one-night um, stopover. Um, so I, I got to spend a, another night off there. It was uh, it was on a Sunday again. So this was like a week later, and I called him up and um, went out to his house, and uh, he was pretty freaked out because I just took an Uber. Um, he's like, "I'll come get you." I was like, "Oh, I'm on the other side of the city. I'll just I'll come over to your house." I just took an Uber, drove through the city. And the Uber driver dropped me off at his house on this dark street. And he's like, you sure you want me to leave you here? You sure you can be here alone? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. It's fine. And uh, he, was, he was a decently nice neighbor. It wasn't anything, like, crazy. But it wasn't, like, the poor areas we saw on our mission either. Yeah. And his wife came outside. I, I clapped. I got to hand clap at their gate, Chad. It was awesome. <laughs> and his wife, Mulaney, came out. And she was like, uh, Giovanni's not home. Do you mind waiting? He'll be home from his meeting soon. Remember, this is his first full Sunday as a state president. He'd just been sustained the Sunday before. Yep. So I just stood out in the road by his house for like 20 minutes in the dark and uh, swatting away mosquitoes. And and he came home, and he looked exhausted. But he was like, all right. He's like, I, I made some food for you. Let's hang out. <laughs> and uh, we he made me uh, couscous con ovo. Mm -hmm. And um, we just ate couscous and talked about his first week as state president and talked about our mission some more. And it was, it was just neat. It was fun to hang out. And then, um, I could, yeah, he took me back to my hotel this time. I didn't take an Uber back. but um, So I hung out there in Cuiaba. And then I got to fly over to um, a city called, i got to remember this one because it's super cool, Baja do Garces. It's on the border of Mato Grosso and Goiás. There's a river right there in the city that separates the two states. And this is like a small, like, town. Like when everybody says they're going to the Sitio and they go to the small town and it's like this picturesque town where mm -hmm. it's not like a busy, dirty city. Yeah. That's what this was. And um, so I got in there and I actually got to spend like, two days there without work. They, they baked that into the trip and just let me chill and hang out. Walked around the city. Um, I went, one night I went with a couple of the guys from that company I was working with. We went to a bar, one of those outdoor bars that we used to walk by on our mission all the time with live music. Yep. And these two just got hammered drunk and I <laughs> sipped Coke all night. Yeah. And uh, listened to the live music that wasn't that good, but, you know, it was it was cool. Um, on the way back to the hotel, this was also a small college town, and these two guys were single. They were like, hey, let's go into this nightclub and meet some ladies. I was like, ah, I'm good. I'm just going to continue back to the hotel. <laughs> so they, they went, and uh, they were they were pretty drunk and everything ready to party and I just just walked through the, the city in the middle of the night all alone in Brazil and back to my 
hotel and it was like I was I remember thinking like this just is something that never happened on the mission or at least never should have happened right right <laughs> walking around around alone at night and stuff but there was also a lot of waterfalls around Baja do Garces and the next morning the store manager in that town came and got us and he took us up in the mountains and um, we went to this really cool waterfall and just jumped in and we were swimming and having a great time and I was kind of freaked out, like, you know, I'm, like, something I never did on this. Are there going to be, like, big anacondas in here? Like, what kind of worms and parasites <laughs> yeah. am I going to get? That's like, it. I was like, oh, these, I'm like, oh, these guys look healthy. What what the heck, you know? So, so I jump in, and then they're like, hey, we're going to hike to this other waterfall. And it's like a dirt path. And I was wearing tennis shoes, of course, and these guys are all wearing flip-flops. And I didn't want to put my um, – wet muddy feet back into my tennis shoes so i think i hiked like a couple miles through the like jungle on a dirt path barefoot <laughs> that's against the rules <laughs> up to another waterfall <clears throat> hey haven't had any problems it was three years ago haven't found any worms burrowing in my feet didn't get sick so that's awesome. um, maybe just maybe Maybe Brazil is not as bad as we all thought it was <laughs> in those terms. It was cool. So on my flight back from Baja do Garces, I flew back to Cuiabá yet again to connect and go back down to Campo Grande. On that flight, I and by this point for work, I've been traveling for like four years. So I'm like... I'm like a grizzled flight veteran, right? Like I sleep through every flight. I can I can fall asleep before an airplane even backs out, stay asleep through takeoff, and I don't wake up until we land in most cases. Mm -hmm. So I'm on this flight, and I'm in the very back seat of this small, like, prop plane. And it gets a little bumpy, and I actually open my eyes. And I'm like, okay, just a little turbulence. And I have my seatbelt on. And my eyes are still open. I'm looking up the front of the plane. And we hit the biggest freaking wave of turbulence that I've ever hit in my life. And I've probably been on like 500 flights by now. This was a big bump in the sky. <laughs> I saw like 40 beverage cups filled with water, pop, whatever, fly up and hit the ceiling of the aircraft. And all these women are screaming, oh, Mel Daniel, oh, you know. <laughs> you would think that the plane was going down. And for some reason, I just was calm, and I knew, I'm like, we're fine. And I just kind of laughed. Like, I sat there and just laughed. And there was some stranger sitting in the seat next to me, and he looked at me like, you, you are a punk. Like, <laughs> I was like, whatever, like. But it was, it was so funny. Like just the screams of pure terror, and I know I shouldn't be laughing at these people. Legitimately thought they were about to die, and I was just like, "Oh, this is awesome." But anyway, so <laughs> so I, I got down back down to uh, Campo Grande, and my bosses back here in the states said, "Go take two days by yourself on the back end of this trip. Go tour." the city, check things out, get familiar with it, you guys are going to move there. And 
Yeah. So I've spent just two days like cruising around again in Ubers in a city of like a million people, um, just checking out different areas of the city, going to the Feta, trying to buy hammocks to bring home. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, the the whole thing was just bizarre. Like I'm all alone here. This is so crazy. But so that's what I did there. Um, Campo Grande actually has the most Japanese people in it outside of Japan besides Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo's first in the world for most Japanese. Okay. And then, what's this guy's name? He's Paul. Paul. Hey, Paul. <laughs> Hi, Paul. How old is he now, Chad? He's 18 months. Uh, he's, that's a fun age. But yeah, so um, from Campo, I flew back over to Sao Paulo early in the morning and almost got in a fight with a guy on the plane because mid-flight I had to open the overhead thing to get my backpack out and somebody had stuffed a cane in there. Oh, wow. And I didn't know, and the the cane fell out and landed on this dude's head, and uh, he was asleep. And he woke up and he started screaming at me, telling me all the swear words that I learned when I was in Brazil, uh-huh. and told me that he was going to beat me up. And I I just said, look, buddy, like uh, you've already been hit in the head with the cane. I can't take it back. I'm sorry that happened, but uh, screaming at me like a child isn't going to help. And he told me he was going to beat me up when the plane landed. And I was like, oh, crap, now I'm going to have this international incident. <laughs> so <laughs> we landed in Sao Paulo, and I, I don't know. Maybe he saw that he was pretty small once he stood up next to me, but he, he didn't try to start anything. But I was really stressed, like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Like, I don't want to get in trouble. or I don't want to get thrown in a Brazilian jail here for starting stuff. <laughs> but I got, I got into Sao Paulo early that morning. And my flight home didn't leave until that night. So I was going to meet with Mateus and Rodrigo. Yeah. But Rodrigo, or Mateus had work. Um, he couldn't get away. But Rodrigo, I met up with him. And again, I took an Uber from the Guadalupe's airport down to uh, Avenida Paulista. That's where Rodrigo works is right around there. Wow. And yeah. that was... That was a little more scary because I, I'd heard all these stories about Sao Paulo and how you could get mugged at a stoplight. And, you know, I locked all my luggage in this locker out at the airport and I had the key in my pocket and my passport and my backpack. And I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm vulnerable here. Like, But it went well. Got down there, um, walked around, hung out with Rodrigo. Um, and that was really cool to get to see him, too. He's, he's a good guy. Did you ever work? Yeah, we were zone leaders in Valle. Yeah, so you, yeah, you know, he's he's great. Yep. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, and when you were in the MTC, did you guys go to the um, Iperanga Museum? Does that sound familiar? They took you to this big like old mansion in the middle of Sao Paulo with all these fancy gardens around it. Yep. Yeah, and they they talked about how. The revolution. Yeah. And there's all these pictures of the revolution and stuff like that. It's like, what revolution? You guys just became Brazil from Portugal. It's not 
<laughs> There's no history. <laughs> so I, I went there again because it was like two blocks from where Rodrigo works. I okay. kind of like said, see you later to him. And then I, I walked down the street and I went there and I was like, this this is kind of cool to come here. And I that was like one of the only places we got to go outside of the MTC. And, yeah. Um, but the museum was closed for renovation. So I just okay. walked around outside. Yeah. Um, and then took took an Uber back to, to Guadalupe, back to the airport. So that was, you know, that was kind of my three weeks going back to Brazil for business reasons, which was it. really fun. Um, two weeks after that, we went back down for another meeting. This time it was just a one-week trip. And this one, we took our, our CFO and our CEO and, like, our chief legal officer and um, again, I was playing tour guide. I was the the translator. But when we were flying home out of um, Campo Grande, our CFO she left her cell phone in her hotel, and she didn't realize till right before we boarded. Uh. And so I told her, I was like, "I'll I'll make sure the plane doesn't take off. I'll get your phone for you." <laughs> and we we called um, the hotel, and they sent her phone over in a taxi. And the lady at the gate, this is an airport where you have to walk out across the, the tarmac and then up the stairs onto the airplane, like in Juan Pessoa when we were mm-hmm. coming and going. Yeah. And they were like, you've got to go board the plane. I was like, I will, just a second. I'm just, I'm waiting for this phone to come. And they're like, no, the plane's going to be late. You've got to go. And so I was like, okay. So I like start walking and it's like 100 yards to the plane. And the whole plane's full, and they're literally just waiting for me. And, and I'm, like, walking really slow. Every few steps, I would stop and look back and pull <laughs> my phone out and take a picture of the plane. And then I'd walk a little ways. And at one point, I took a selfie of myself, like, in front of the plane. And I'm thinking, gosh, I know that phone's got to be here soon if I can just stall a little longer. And... um Finally, I walk up the stairs to get on the plane, and the guy's like, he's using the command form. He's like, get in your seat. Sit down. Sit down. Just yelling at me. And I start talking really slow, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I just was, eu tava esperando o celular da minha patrona chegar. <laughs> and just then... He's got a walkie-talkie, and it goes, and it's like, hey, someone's here with a cell phone, but it's a taxi driver, and he's not going to give it to us unless we give him money. And um, I pull, like, a 50 hey I note out of my pocket, and I, I give it to the guy. I'm like, tell him I got money for you. You can take it to him. Like, we're good. And he's and he gets back on the thing, and he's like, I, I don't know what to do. This guy's trying to shove money in my pocket, and we got to get this plane out of here. <laughs> and... Uh, Finally, someone comes sprinting across the tarmac and gives me the phone, and I give them the money. And I get on, and everybody on the plane is, like, looking at me like, you are a punk. And my seat was in the very back, and that's where my crew was sitting, too. And our CFO and CEO, they all started clapping when I got on the plane. (laughs) And I held up this pink iPhone like it was a trophy. And and our CEO was like, you're the man. And, like... (laughs) And I get back there, and and our CFO, she's like, she was, she was hilarious. She's just this, like, really rich lady about to retire. She just, like, pulls all of her money out of her pocket. It's like, 
handfuls of like Brazilian and American currency. It's like a hundred bucks. And she's like, thank you for getting my phone. Good job. You're, you're a great young man. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, so I got to delay a plane in Brazil. So that was also very fun. It's probably one of my best uh, career moments ever, but they were not happy. It's <laughs> great, man. It's great. We're going to push pause. On yeah. Your stories. And we're going to listen to a little bit of music. I'm going to play a song. You're going to tell me what it is. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> That's Hope <Hulk> Nova. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes. Thoughts? Is it good? I like Hope Nova. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. How about this one? São Paulo, dia 1 okay. de outubro de 1992, 8 horas da manhã. Aqui estou mais um dia, sob o olhar sanguinário do vigia. Você não sabe como é caminhar com a cabeça na mira de uma HK. Metralhador alemã, o de Israel, estraçalha ladrão que nem papel. Na muralha em pé. Mais um cidadão José servindo um estado. Is that Charlie Brown Jr.? No, it's Hassan. my way off. Ah, I, I told you I'm not a I'm not a connoisseur like you on the music, but I'll I'll do my best here. Okay. Um. Let's do. Oh, I know this one. Just gotta hear the voice to confirm. Veja bem, meu bem. Sinto te informar. That's my girl, Maria Hita. <laughs> sure is. You introduced me to Maria Hita. She, that was one of my favorite CDs. She's like classic Brazilian music, you know, like it's not great. the foho. I love it. All right, here's one. I got this. Sejam bem-vindos a esse show que é nosso. Limão com mel acústico. E uma noite de estrelas. Limão com mel acústico. Acústico. MTV. <laughs> Unplug. Há muito tempo atrás, numa terra distante, longe da civilização, 
existia um jovem rapaz chamado João de Santo Cristo. Esta é a sua história. Guardem com atenção estas palavras e lembrem-se as drogas fazem você virar os seus pais. Tinha metal João Santo E espero que todos diziam Quando ele se perdeu Is that Legião? Yep, Legião Urbana Alright, just a couple more This is fun That's a great one <laughs> Okay <laughs> I, li I like this, uh, this wrinkle here is very familiar it's not I don't know you're gonna have to tell me it's Kitty Abelia yes yes You'll get I do I sure. remember the song but I'm like I, I couldn't place that one Hoje eu preciso te encontrar de qualquer jeito Nem que seja só pra te levar pra casa Depois de um dia normal Olhar teus olhos de promessas fáceis E te beijar a boca de um jeito que te faça rir Que te faça rir Eu preciso te abraçar Sentir teu cheiro De roupa limpa Pra esquecer os meus anseios E dormir em paz Hoje eu preciso It's Jota Quest yep. Jota Quest So hoje Sei como que as coisas são Mas 
say Pammy Vinci Doyce. That's right. You got it. <laughs> In, interesting tidbit here for our listeners okay. is um, Elder Tavares was part of a rock band in Puerto Vallejo called Banda Joey, J-O-W-E, with the okay. two dots above it. Banda Joey. He was their singer, and they mostly did covers of Say Pammy Vinci Doys. <laughs> and Say Pammy would actually give them shout-outs online and promote their, like, local stuff. Like, hey, you got to go see Banda Joey. But after he got called to be a bishop a couple years ago, he couldn't go and play these late sets on Saturday night anymore. So he's no longer a member of Banda Joey. But I still follow them on Instagram. They're great. So. <laughs> no, it's Compania do Calypso. Oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> guess I got that one wrong. <laughs> uh, this is a good one. I already know. Doutor, o que é que eu tô fazendo aqui? Me tira dessa UTI Eu só me lembro Que tocou meu celular Eu só me lembro Ela disse chorando O amor é melhor acabar Cavaleiros do Forró Volume 4 Why don't we do that in the States? Anybody that makes music needs to have like that voiceover introduction. Name the band and, and the volume. Volume Quattro. And with that deep, amazing voice. Tavadis used to rock that one on his guitar when he'd come over for P Day Eve, and he could like he had like that good deep voice. He sounded just like Charlie Brown Jr. when he would do it. There's a really old one. <laughs> 
Sounds like Maria Ita, is it, or is it just someone that sounds like her? It was the original Astrid Gilberto. Okay. She, yes. she was like I, in the I 60s. like that. I like that uh, bossa nova. That was like the original bossa nova that came over. She sang the girl from Ipanema. Yes. Great song. Um. One more. <laughs> <laughs> having a great time here um, it's know. fun this is great uh, here it is maybe Jovem guarda vem dançar comigo Vem balançar É o samba jovem guarda vem cantar comigo Vem balançar É o som da jovem guarda vem dançar comigo Man, sounds so good Good old, good old Hossa Negra I like, I like their stuff, that Pagoji mm -hmm. um, So I have a question for you Do you ever watch Brazilian movies? Have you seen any since you've been home or, or sought any out or anything like that? Um, <clears throat> I brought home CDVDs from the mission. I have like Alto de Compadecida and Isabella the Prisoner. I have Cidade de Judeus and I've seen some of it but it is like it's heavy, stuff. It's heavy stuff. I'm not going to watch that again probably. I'll probably <laughs> just throw that DVD away. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> they made a they made a Cidade de Deus too. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be year, years later. That's that's interesting. Um, I probably have watched some Brazilian movies that probably should have chosen to turn off or not watch altogether. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> there's one called Tropa de Elite. Have you heard of that one? Uh. -uh. And I think in English they just call it elite squad. It's basically about the police that um, are like the elite troops that go in and just crush the drug dealers in the favela. Okay. Um, and it's it's a little more modern. That actor, he's in a lot of things. His name is, uh, I think it's Wagner Moreira. Um, now, I did not watch Narcos on Netflix, but I've seen the ads for it, and he's the guy that plays... Pablo Escobar in okay. in Narcos. So, anyway, um, also very violent, probably along the same lines as Cidade de Deus, but kind of actually a good movie. But 
depending on if you ask someone like me. But <laughs> there's not many choices on Netflix of like Brazilian Portuguese movies or TV shows. I know the cartoon Fistronaut well, was originally um, in in Portuguese, and sometimes my kids watch Fistronaut on Netflix, and I put it on the original Portuguese language, and then the subtitles in English. <laughs> oh, good practice. <laughs> yeah, I um, I've looked from time to time, searched Netflix for like Brazilian films or whatever, and mm -hmm. I mean, they're usually pretty bad. Like. I don't know, the ratings are bad, or you see, like, it says, like, oh, it has nudity or whatever, so I'm like, ah, crap, just, just make some movies that don't have that. But, yep. So that's kind of a, obviously prevents me from watching some stuff, but there's a, I try to, I try to kind of keep up with the current trends, but it's just funny, like, all the music that we just listened to, if an actual Brazilian listened to this, they'd be like, why are they listening to music from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s? <laughs> That's our jam. <laughs> yeah, my uh, someone in my ward has an exchange student from Brazil, Ian, Y A N, and uh, he's like seventeen. And I ask him if he knows any like foho, and he knew all the bands that I was talking about. And he was, uh, he said they were really old, and there's new bands now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like whatever. I mean, we we have been home from our missions now for fifteen years this year, right? So yep. we're we're those guys. Yep. <laughs> like like when I went on my mission, and some old dude from the ward was like, "I served in Brazil thirty years ago, and it was just two missions." So we're old now. It's <laughs> okay. Um. So question can. Can I tell a few stories from the mission that I didn't put on the first pod? Go ahead. I think they're kind of kind of fun. My carrying um, I mean, has I, gone down on the you, content. You're what? My caring. Uh, don't oh, offend anybody. In the That's all. No, I'm, I'm not going to. Don't be mean. Just, be, just uh, no, tell I'm whatever stories you that. want to. <clears throat> Go ahead. I will not be mean. I just... I didn't know what we wanted, so I kept things at a very high level, but I've got a couple of juicy office stories where yeah. I can omit names <laughs> and keep it fun. Yeah. If, if you'll remember, um, President Geschwantner got there like the 1st of July, and about a month after he got there, I got called in to serve as the um, executive secretary. So he was still kind of getting to know the place. And... Um, I remember he sent a couple missionaries home. They both claimed to have uh, knee problems. They were both Brazilians. And um, President Martins had just stuck them together. He's like, whatever, you don't want to work. You've got quote-unquote knee problems. And he put them in like one of those wards in Zona Sul of Natal where it was like close to the beach where no one ever baptized and just left them there. And it was like my third night in the office, and President Geschwantner was like, "I'm I'm gonna send these guys home." Um, and they came in, and both of them were about six months from going home, and he he sent them home. And so I got to like make the travel arrangements, like late night, call our travel service at like midnight, and book a plane. And these two missionaries were crying, and it was it was really sad. And and Prez tried to be really nice to them, and 
and really uh, sensitive and tender, but firm and send them home. Uh, fast forward about a month, we get a new crop of missionaries, and there's a Brazilian missionary in the group, and he's totally flaming gay, like it was just obvious. And um, we have the, the welcome, the dinner at Prez's house, and he sends him out with um, Elder Mateus to be trained. <laughs> and um, about two weeks later, Mateus shows up at the office, and he just walks in the door, leaves this kid in the reception area, and comes back behind the counter. And I'm like, what, what's up? What's going on, buddy? He's like, my greenie's gay, man. Needs to go home. <laughs> I'm like, well, I can't help you with that. <laughs> I think you got to talk to Prez about all of that. <laughs> so um, Prez comes in and takes him in his office, talks to him for a while, and Mateus is just fuming. And he's like, I can't believe Prez sent me that guy. He had to know he was gay. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm like, did something happen? And he's like, no, it's just he told me he was gay, so I made him sleep out on the balcony for a couple of nights. I wasn't gonna sleep in the same room as him. I was like, I'm like, okay, dude. So, kid comes out of Prez's office, goes back over. He's sitting in the reception area. Prez is like, Elder Mauer, call, make some travel arrangements. We're we're sending him home. All of a sudden, we hear like kids rustling through his bag and we hear like some rattling we run over and look and he's got a prescription uh, pill bottle and he's like dumping it in his mouth and I'm like freaked out and I'm like what oh crap like what do we do Mateus just instinctively runs over there and like pimp slaps the kid and <laughs> slaps the pills out of his hand and then he's like telling him, spit it out, spit it out. What are you doing, you idiot? Knock it off. And I'm like, I, I mean, I guess that's one way to save a guy's life, but I just, anyway, so plus we, we get it all worked out. It's time to go to the airport. And he comes to me, he's like, oh, Elder Mauer, uh, take him in a taxi to the airport and uh, go through his bag, make sure he doesn't have any pills. And um, make sure he gets on the plane before you come back. <laughs> and I'm like, just a couple of weeks ago, you sent these two home, and you're like all like sensitive and kind, and take him to the airport yourself. And now you're just like, hey, you take him to the airport, make sure he gets on the plane. Yeah, he couldn't be I'm bothered. Like, this is nuts. Like I never thought, him. like That's... before my mission. You think that what the mission that? president would like? I don't know go with them like that's an attempted suicide on your watch and you're just going to send them with your secretary it's something yeah it's not like i was even an ap right <laughs> it's not like i'm this super trustworthy i'm just i'm just the secretary so anyway take him to the airport made sure he got on then like a month later and remember, we lived in the office at this time. We had a room in the back. Yep. I had woken up on Sunday morning at 5 a.m., and I go out and I answer the phone. I'm like, great, some missionary's calling about his mazada at 5 a.m. on a Sunday, you know? 
And it's Prez. He's like, very matter of fact, Elder Mauer. Elder so-and-so out in Lucena woke up in the middle of the night, and his companion was not in the apartment. I need you to go to Lucena. Find them both. Tell them to pack their bags and bring them back to the office. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, friends. So we roll out to Lucena. You have to take a ferry to get there. You go out to uh, uh, is it Cabo Branco or Costello Branco, one of those, and you take a ferry across over to the peninsula that's Lucena. And uh, it's like four or five miles long and like quarter mile wide, this area where you've got, I'm like, all right, how are we going to find them, you know? I don't even know where their apartment is. I've never been here. So I'm with Elder McDowell, and I'm, I'm like, all right, dude, let's get some moto taxis. And he's like, Elder, we can't take moto taxis. I'm like, yes, we can. We're taking moto taxis. <laughs> and so I just pay these two dudes. I'm like, drive us around the island or the peninsula and look for two guys that look like us. And we just cruised around for like an hour and a half on motorcycles. And we finally find the two missionaries. And I'm like, pack your bags, go to the office, see you there. We get into the office. And this kid knows he's going home. And he's just like crying. And it's really awkward. And I have to sit there. And Prez is nowhere to be found. Finally, he comes in. And then... You know, he has two counselors in the mission presidency, even though we never met him or saw him like at his own conference. He had a couple of counselors mm -hmm. um, who I'd met a couple times in the office. And they roll in, and by now it's like 10 o'clock at night. And Prez says to me, uh, we're going to do a church court. And none of us speak English. So when we're done... I will come out and dictate to you what you need to type and send to the mission department. And he goes, and stay awake. I'm like, okay. So I've been up since five. Somewhere around midnight, Preds comes out and he goes, yeah, uh, we're going to be sending him home. So go ahead and book him the earliest flight out. I want him gone tonight. And I'm like, okay. So I call our 24-hour travel service. Somewhere around four o'clock, we get done typing up the conclusions of this church court. And I look at this poor missionary, and I'm like, yeah, so you've got about a half an hour to sleep if you want, and then we're going to the airport. Oh, and by the way, Press says, and you're taking him to the airport. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. It's, it's a Brazilian elder. He was actually a roommate of mine in the MTC. I had to type up everything that basically went on to send it to the mission department. And I get to sit in the car with you and take you to the airport now. <laughs> so I got to do that a couple times in the office, and that was that was always interesting. But like I said, I, I didn't want to, like, use names or anything, but I thought that, you know, kind of interesting stories. People might like to kind of hear that or see that little inside juicy office story gossip. Yeah. Um, we, had a, we had another time where we had a litter of feral cats that were living up under the uh, roof tiles in the office, and Sister Geschwantner, um, I was like, can we call, like, an exterminator? She's like, why don't you just crawl up there and catch them? <laughs> so I caught, like, four kittens, and they were mean. They were mean. And I, I stuffed them in, like, those big plastic totes that we used to send out to the zone meetings full yep. of letters and supplies. Yep. And so I had, like, two of those totes with a couple of kittens in them. 
and then um, Sister Geshwantner drove us like almost all the way out to Baye, and we just let the cats go in a field. And so that was another fun office story. <laughs> but I, I had another one that I thought of that I wanted to share, and it's it's a little more serious. Um, a lot of people that listen to the podcast probably um, pass through the area um, Pro Sinji right there in Juan Pessoa. Um, and if they did, they probably knew um, Josie Laney and Josie Kwegi and their mom, Estelisi. And they were really cool. It was the very end of my mission, and I was sort of finishing um, on a dry streak. I was still working hard, but I hadn't baptized in a little while. And I was just, I was tired. And I, but I really wanted to baptize again before I went home. And um, do you remember Elder Barretta, São Paulo kid? I think he had red hair. Anyway, he was in a neighboring ward in uh, it was Manga Beta, and he met these two um, young women at a Noche Familiar and gave me the referral. And so I showed up at the house, and the mom answered the door. And I said, some other missionaries like us, they were in an apartment, so we had to like get it past the gate and up to the apartment. I said, some other missionaries like us met your daughters the other night, and uh, we want to come by and, and share a message with you. And she said, no, I'm, I'm good. And uh, I said, well, we'd, we'd really like to come by and, and talk to your daughters. And she said, oh, they don't they don't need your message. And this was like the very end of my mission. And the spirit, like I remember the spirit saying, don't quit. And so I turned around and I, I said, Senora, we have a message that you do need, that your family needs, and it's going to change your life. And you'll be grateful that you let us share it with you. I said, so we'll be back. When will your daughters be home? What time can I come? And she just like, just kind of gave us a time and let us come. And we ended up teaching one of the daughters and the mom and baptizing them before I went home. My daughter got baptized months after I came home from my mission. Uh, but one of them served a mission. Um, both of them have been sealed in the temple. They're just really, really great people. Mom still goes to church. Um, and I just uh, I was just thinking about them the other day and that whole experience, and I was so glad about the way I was able to finish my mission that way because all I really wanted at the very end there was to just be able to baptize someone again. And um, it wasn't just somebody. It was somebody that ended up being just really, really great baptism, someone that I remember, someone that, that like really impacted me for good. And... Uh, they've saved the church. It's, it's really cool. So I, it was uh, it was just something I wanted to, to share on the podcast. I think all of us had some similar type experiences, but I just remember that moment where the Spirit said, don't quit. They need this. Don't quit. They need this. And it was awesome. Yeah. Great. I'm loving it. This is, yeah. a, great, this is a great episode. <laughs> We got the it's all over the place. All over the place. We didn't even talk about the mission except for the last 15 minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know what? I, I hope we all can 
can kind of harken back and remember that like it, it, time is passing on, but um, I, I hope we can all take a little time and sort of remember things like that on our mission and, and sort of let it let it remind us and strengthen us. And I know not everybody has stayed active in the church or we have people go in different ways or doing different things, different levels of commitment, but gosh, it was so, it was just so special to be a missionary in that mission at that time and have such a, a crazy mission first with Martins and all of that. And then with President Geschwantner trying to clean up the mess. I didn't think it was that messy. But um, it was just just such a, a – my mission was definitely for me. Like where I went, when I went, who I served with, there was some real, like, deliberate intention by God in sending me there when he did. And I'm, I'm just grateful for it every day. It's so fun to think about it and remember it. I'm glad you're cast. It's been – so fun to look at the last few years and listen to an episode every little while when you put them out, and they're they're awesome to listen to. Yeah, man, it's been fun. It's been like we, there's some complaints that it's a Chad centric um, venture, I guess. Chad centric uh, podcast where it's like my immediate circle. Well, tell them to make their own podcast. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Yeah. And I've been doing I've been doing other podcasts. I don't know if anybody else would take the time to Yeah. I can I can tell you exactly how I do it. And you oh, can this take delay the ball. killing us. Oh yeah. Well I have instructions on exactly how to do the podcast, send it to Jacob. He can post it. <laughs> so anybody can do it. <laughs> Well, I know I, I don't just speak for myself. I speak for a ton of people. Like A lot of people are very appreciative of, of your time and what you've done and, and your originality and this idea. It's, it's, it's awesome. I, um, not only was our mission crazy and like the freaking wild, wild west and some of the things we did, I don't know of any other mission that has a Chad Ricks that's recording a podcast about it either. So... <laughs> It's awesome. That's right. Oh man, anything else? Anything else that you feel like you want to discuss, or anything that you missed from uh, five years ago? I just um, like I was talking about before. Those guys that are now like bishops and state presidents in in Brazil. And I get that it's different there than it is here. and um, It's so neat to see those guys down there serving and, and giving of themselves and doing what they do. Um, and and I, I just, uh, it, I see them and it, it just kind of inspires me not, not to be a bishop or a state president, but it just wants to make me be good. It wants to make me continue to live the things I learned on my mission and to just be dependable and good in my own ward. And um, it's it's fun if, if people that are listening, if you're not in touch with some of your Brazilian companions or whatever, try to get in touch with them. Try to use like the WhatsApp um, app. You can talk to them, you can call them, you can exchange messages. It's, it's really, really fun. It's a good way to stay in touch and it, 
it keeps the the mission and those memories alive. So just like this podcast does. But seriously, Chad, thank you so much for doing this. I think it's I think it's the best. I, I love it. Um, people might not like listening to me in my episode, but I like listening to everybody else's. They're really really fun to listen to. Cool, man. So that's it. That's what you want your episode. Do you want to be any more? Or, I mean, it's been an hour and a half. I don't know. I don't care. I I think I've said I think I've said enough. <laughs> but really, um, I just uh, I love everybody that's listened. I, I I love all the people we served with. I hope everybody's doing well. That's what I hope. Hope everybody's just doing great and having fun. All right, we're gonna say bye to Russ. Oh yeah, and. Did you see all those videos that from uh, from 2006 from Colorado Springs? You see like Jeroboam um, dancing around. No, I I need to um I need to download the Dropbox app so I can dump them in there on my laptop. I haven't done that yet, but I I do need to watch those. Those look funny. No, Merritt, he converted them all to like a Google Photos thing. And then you can just watch them. They're all looped together. He already took care of it. Did you not get that link? Okay, I'll give it another look. I, I made sure to keep it in my in. I kept it in my inbox. I just don't think I looked close enough at it. Two thousand six memories. Oh, you want to listen? All right, we're gonna say bye to Russ. Wait, bye. Bye, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Bye. All right. See you, man. I'll post it. Thank you so much, man. Yep. Talk to you later. Okay. Appreciate it. Que não vai me abandonar Sou tua neném Quero ser tua neném Menino, me bota no colo Me beija dos pés à cabeça Nina, nina, neném Sou toda sua, me dá banho Me perfuma com carinho Se não vou chorar Quero ser tua neném Menino, me bota no colo Me beija dos pés à cabeça Nina, nina Toda sua vida, banho, me perfuma com carinho Se não vou chorar Panda Calypso Me sinto uma criança perto de você Mas meu Deus tem malícia, não vou te negar Pra onde quiser Sou chave de cadeia, pode apostar Me entrego de bandeja toda pra você Por seu amor Não me deixe chorar Sou a fã que tal você me adotar Tenho certeza que não vai me abandonar Oh, oh.
Sou toda sua mina, banho, me defuma com carinho Se não vou chorar Quero ser tua neném Menino, me bota no colo Me beija dos pés a cabeça Nina, nina, neném Sou toda sua mina 